0: Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Mike, we're changing things up again. It's Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. I'm going to talk for the next few minutes. About your first love. At least I think that's where we're heading. Revelation 2, verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored has not faded. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee Quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, out of his place, except thou repent. Father, we just—I just ask you, by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to us. I know, God, that that my efforts will accomplish nothing this morning. It's you, God, it's you that we need to hear from. So Holy Spirit, I just release you to do what you desire to do. I bind every hindering spirit. And I declare your will into us this morning, God. Amen. I wish everybody in this room knew how much God loves us. I really wish we knew that. I'm not kidding. I wish I knew that. I wish somehow, some way, we could get to the place where we quit all of our striving and we start with this that God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. That word know is a very, very intimate word. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. There's intimacy there. Jesus loves me. This I know. Because the Bible told me so. I know that. I know that. I, I quite frankly, I think we have this love thing all wrong. I know that he was talking to this church, and that was a real church in that time, but those who know the Bible know that that also represents a church age, and that also represents a type of Christian. And and, and I think there are a lot of people that, that are just like this church that he was speaking to. They really don't know. And because they don't know, they have fallen into the same religion, even the same religious zeal that the Pharisees had when Jesus came, and they were so religious they looked right past him, looking for something else. Because we when when God said here it through the Spirit that you've left your first love he he wasn't talking about that 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 their love for god had been replaced with something else because you know what the pharisees and the sadducees had an intense love for god but if our relationship with god is defined by how much we love him that's religion if our Religion is defined by how much we know he loves us. That's relationship. There's a scripture that says it's not that we love God. Here in his love, not that we love God. But that God loved us. And gave himself for it. And if If all of our working, you know, the spirit here said, listen, I know what you're doing. I know how hard you're working. I know how faithful you've been to my word. You have withstood people that claim to be apostles and you found them to be liars. They said they were one thing, but they're really not. There's a a lot of show, but no, go there. He said, I I know you did that. I, I know how hard you worked. Twice he said, I know your patience. As, as I felt the Lord's putting this verse these verses on my heart this morning, I I know there are people in here that, that your patience is overwhelming. You have been faithful and patient to see God do something in your life. And just like this church, they have been patient. They have worked and waited for years and they don't understand why their relationship with God isn't more. Are you there? And he said, here's, here's where the problem is. You lost, you have walked away from, you have forgotten your first love. And your first love is this, how much I love you. Here's why that's important. If we're doing works to try to get his love that puts us in charge and him a responder to our efforts but if because that we know how much he loves him us we then just naturally decide and want to give want to do then he's the giver and we're the responder do you see the difference We'll play it out in two people's lives. Master, I've done this and I've done that, and I've done this and I've done that. And aren't I awesome? And yet I'm lacking something. You ever been there? Maybe not the awesome part. But the I've done this, God, and I've done that, and I've done this, and yet it's not working, God. It's not working. What do I yet lack? And Jesus looked at him and he said, here's what you lack. Take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor, come and follow me. Now if you don't understand what was really taking place, you think that he was somehow buying something from God, but no, no, no. You see, he was thinking that all of those things he did would earn the love of God and it wasn't earning him anything. It, they were investments without return. And here's what Jesus was saying. You'll never know how much I love you until you get rid of everything else and you've got nothing else and you follow me. And what that young man would have seen was that, that all the stuff, you know the stuff I'm talking about, even the stuff the world is going after today on Black Friday. On, on, on the news website Drudge Report, they have an counter for the number of dead and injured in fights and shopping. At 10.30 yesterday, it was up to seven people killed Ninety-one people injured. Injured enough to have to go to the hospital. Seven. I don't know what the counter is. I was afraid to look at it this morning. Last year, it was 11 people killed on Black Friday shopping. Now, I like stuff, (laughs) but serious. I went Black Friday shopping once. That's all I needed. I don't need stuff that bad. I'm a I'm a I'm a tough one to buy for in Christmas. I mean stuff, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. It is. It's it's nothing. But we church people, we we can get our own stuff if we're not careful. And we think that we we have done all of this. And now God owes us something, and why don't I feel your love? Look at all that I've done. And the Spirit of God is telling the church, it's, it's not about what you do. It's about your first love. How much do you know that God loves you? Because if what you're doing isn't out of an expression of reaction to that, it's religion, folks good preaching it's it's nothing but religion but when you become awed with him and his goodness for you listen to me for a moment it it's easy to get sucked into that that you've got to do for god i've got to do 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 and then the, he'll love me i mean we don't say it that way but we kind of think that don't we let's be honest We're not careful. We think that. Let's look at the second person in the New Testament. Jesus himself. Twelve years old. He's in the temple teaching. He's so engrossed in what he's doing that his family leaves. And they get away. Some part of the journey away and they realize he's not with the caravan. And they go back and And then they find him in the temple still teaching. And they said, why would you do that to us? You need to come. Now listen to me. Focus on this story for a moment because the religious people speak highly of this event, but they've lost what really happened here. And Jesus said, you you don't understand. I've got to be about my father's business. And here's how impressed God the Father was with that. We don't hear another word out of Jesus for 18 years. He walks over the rise of a hill 18 years later. John the Baptist is standing in the river and he said, Look, there's a Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus walks down to the water, and John the Baptist said, Hey, listen, let's, let's get real about this. I really need you to baptize me. I'm not worried to will latch your shoes, man. And, and Jesus said, John, you know why I'm here. Let's do this thing. Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water. And the Spirit of God, like a dove, descends on him. And a voice from heaven speaks and says, This is my beloved much-loved son in whom I am well pleased. He hasn't preached for 18 years. He hasn't taught in the temple for 18 years. We have no record of him doing miracles. He hasn't cast out demons. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't done anything for 18 years. What do you mean, my much-loved son, in whom I am well pleased. The Bible says, and immediately, immediately, the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness. I just imagine him going and the Spirit of God just pushing him and pushing him. Go, go, go. And he goes to the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And then at the end of that, Satan comes to him and said, listen, If thou be the Son of God. You see, the enemy's always twisting things. This was not an argument or a discussion about Jesus being the Son of God. Listen to me for a moment. This was not about him being the son of God. That isn't the question. Satan left the best part out. Jesus isn't the son of God. He's the much loved son of God. If thou be the Son of God, do this. If thou be the Son of God, do that. If thou be the Son of God, do this. And He's not the Son of God. He's the much-loved Son of God. And Jesus then comes out of the wilderness, and now He's ready for ministry. God is not looking for employees. He's looking for sons and daughters. A son or a daughter just enjoy god they they don't work to get something an employee goes to work and and they're looking to receive something for what they did god i prayed for half an hour why is my why isn't everything fixed i mean i i told you what to do god don't you remember i fasted that meal why why am i still depressed why am I still struggling, God? Look at all the things I've done for you. Look at all the... And, and, and why? Don't, don't say you've never been there. Because the enemy will take you there. He will take you there in a New York minute and pay the fare. But when you're a son, Daughter of God. He loves me. I don't have to look for His love in the things I have. I don't have to look for His love in the relationships I have. He loves me. I don't even need to find His love in my feelings. Or how my life is going. He loves me. We don't fight for that. We fight from that. Be still, and then you know I'm God. Why did he tell the young man to sell everything? So that young man could follow Jesus, not have anything, and yet still see his need met. He would see coins come out of a fish's mouth. He would see tens of thousands fed with a little boy's lunch. He would see storms calmed at the Word of God. And he'd know what an incredible, loving Father he has. And he did nothing to get any of that. You see, God does not go to the showroom to find the finest car. He goes to the junkyard to find the worst wreck. That's where he found me. Anybody else? She'd say, It's not about the car. It was never about the car. It was never about what you can do for him. It's never about that. He's not that small. He's not that petty. And listen, I, I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble this morning, but you really don't do much for him. The only thing he needs out of you is for you to respond to his love. The dude flung universes off his tongue. And he needs you to do what? (laughs) Serious? I had a lady one time, and I know she meant well. We'd only been passing there a short while. And they had 40% of their budget was raised through chicken dinners, submarine sandwiches. And I asked her, well, why do you do this? I appreciate it, but why do you do this? God needs me to do this, to keep his church open. And my first thought was, what a pitiful, poor little God. That he needs you. I didn't tell her that, but not that day. Then when the Lord spoke to me, I would love... I went to her and I said, listen, I appreciate all you've done down through all the years. I know she raised to tens of thousands of dollars for the church. I said, I appreciate that more than you know. But listen, we're not doing that anymore. We're what? I said, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to believe that God is big and that he's able to do exceeding abundantly of all that we could ever ask or think. And... He shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And he's going to meet the needs through the offering plate, or that will be his sign to us that we shouldn't be in business anymore, and we'll close. And she told me that's exactly what will happen. We'll close. And if you simply looked at the math of it, that's exactly what would happen. We would close because even with the 40% of the budget she raised, we barely made it. matter is, starting the very next Sunday, for 14 months straight, we set record income in that church. And I didn't do anything different for the offerings there than what I do here. Because we were just trusting God. Somebody one time was shocked that I honestly believe that God still speaks to his people. And I said to them, why? Well, why wouldn't he? He's not mad at us. The only time we quit talking to somebody is when we're mad at them. Oh, don't look at me like, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, he's not mad at us. He loves us. He still speaks to his kids. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I used to struggle with that verse because when I was weak, I didn't have any joy. I don't know what I'm talking about. And then God showed somebody in this church and they shared it with me. We've had that verse all wrong. It's not our joy in Him that is our strength. His joy in us that is our strength. That's why he said verses like, I rejoice over you with singing. when you feel your loneliness, he sings it. Because he knows what's in your heart. He doesn't look at the outward of Tina. He looks at your heart. And when he sees something in your heart that's pain in you, he speaks over you to change that. And those words over you people for years that one of the things we need to do in our prayer life is just shut up. just, just stop. I mean, if you need to talk, go ahead and get it out. I think I'm being facetious. The longest prayer in the Word of God is 67 words long. Do that which you repent of your sins because you think it may take you to hell, you will be stuck in that sin for your entire life. But if you repent of your sin because you are aware of how much he loves you, He that the Son has set free is free indeed. We get out of sin when we quit believing a lie. The first sin happened because somebody believed a lie. We sin now because we believe a lie. And the truth shines light on that lie and that truth makes us free. You're not hearing me spiritually this isn't going to work. There was somebody that was in my life that I, I found it hard to pray for them. I found it hard to pray for them because they were just cold and mean. And, I mean, they were just, just I don't know how else to say it. They were just dead inside. And they were just so. I'm sure if I was on fire, I'm not sure they would spit on me to put out fire. Okay? And, and yet, because of their involvement in my life, I, I needed to pray for them, boots. And I found it hard to pray for them. And I felt guilty because I really didn't want to pray for them, Jim. I just didn't. Frankly, I didn't care whether they didn't make it into heaven or not. I'm being honest with you. This was a long, long time ago. And I was going through my prayer, and I came to them, and they came on my heart, and I started to pray for them. And I stopped, and I said, you know, God, it is so hard to pray So hard, so cold. So I'm sorry, I don't I don't feel like praying for her, God. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, She's never known what it feels like. that has left her hard and cold. Now when I, a time or two every year when I see her, and my heart just breaks for her. She can't stand it when I put my arm around her. She can't stand it when I love her and I speak kindly to her. But I never used to be able to do that because I was living a lie. What are you struggling with? If you knew how much God loved you, you wouldn't struggle with that anymore. So he says, I have somewhat against you this morning. You've mistakenly thought this is all about what you can do for me. And thereby you've left your first love. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. That's love. That's love. When we when we get that. Okay, when we get filled up with that and the knowledge of that and the truth of that, then you know what? We're just we're just like a big wet sopping sponge that just has more water in it than it can hold. It just slops everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? And then you just put it in a bucket and you pull it out and you don't squeeze it. You just pull it out and you just slop it some more. That's what that's what serving God is all about. You just get, wow. You spend time with him not to check the box. I prayed for an hour. It's not to check the box. I did my Christian duty. You do that because it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to tell you how much he loves you and the grace and the mercy that's going to follow you all the days of your life. And you get full of that. And then you, then you just get full of that. You just got to tell somebody. And so you leave your house and you run into your neighbor who's grumpy in the parking lot because they're having to scrape their window and they're mumbling under their breath and you just, you hate snow more than they do yes I'm telling on myself and you grab your brush and you go over and you start scraping their window and they look at you funny and you go I hate all this snow I'm glad winter's almost over. And he goes, over? We got another hundred days of this. I said, you're nothing but a bucket of depression this morning, aren't you? And and we just start chatting and laughing. And, and then just two or three minutes later, he's laughing. And I said, listen, man, God bless you today. Now, all day long, he thought about that crazy guy out there. Who hated snow even more than I did? But he helped me scrape my windows. Did I want to help him scrape his windows? No. But it was like something just shut up inside of me that I had to get out, because I had talked to my father that morning, and this day that I had was a a gift from him. And I'm not going to waste it being depressed. Struggle or sad or... Man, he loves me. I want you to know how much he loves you. I want you to know. I want you to know. Because the moment you get to knowing how much he loves you, you you go to that altar. Nobody has to tell you to repent. You'll find him. You will. You will find him. And then once you find him, you say, I want more. We, we Pentecostals make it even harder. And God told me that showed me one night in an altar service as I was evangelizing someplace, and there was a, a young man, and and he came to the altar and he was about fifteen or sixteen, and he was he was a pretty rough boy, and but he gave his he gave his heart to God that night and Man, I mean, he just, just was just, the Holy Spirit was just all over him. He, and and after I got done praying for him, I looked at him, and the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted me with this. And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not right. I said, do, do you know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is with the evidence of speaking in tongues? He goes, This is my first time ever to be in a church. And I'm thinking, Okay, well, see, no, we got to work on him for a while, Okay. He just got saved a few seconds ago, and he's gotta get go through sanctification. He's gotta get, you know, we gotta ruin him for a while, and, and then maybe we can we can beg the Holy Spirit out of him, but but the Holy Spirit is going like, What's this? What's this? What's this? He says, What is it? I'm like, God, how do I explain all this to him? I said, You know what? Do you want more? He goes, What? Well, More of this? I said, yes. He said, have at it, man. So I said, just lift your hands up and and just, I'm going to pray for you. And you just just respond to whatever you get from God. And I want to tell you, it wasn't 60 seconds. I have never heard anybody pray in tongues so beautifully in all of my life. It just came out of him. It's like he'd been practicing for years. I mean, he was good. And, and about 20 minutes later, you know, I he, he's settling down and I say to him, God really did something. He goes, what was that? <laughs> it's been my heart's desire that they all be returned to the church. And on that day of Pentecost, it says, and they were... Amazed. And they wondered. And they were in awe. And nobody could explain what was taking place. Can I tell you, when we get to the place that we know how much God loves us, when it's not about us or what we've done, but it's about Him and who He is through us, the awe and the wonder and the amazement will be returned to the church. When God can use people like this, and like this, and like this, and like that, and like that. And They said, these these men are unlearned. They don't have any degrees. They don't have any licenses. There's no, what body sanctioned you? The body of Jesus Christ sanctioned us. Okay, it's he who gave himself for us. And, and when we know that, when we know that and everything we do is out of that, it changes everything. And that day, God added to the church. <laughs> I love that part. You don't know how much I love that part. No, 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 not that, that that many were added. My wife and I have been blessed to be there when when all of a sudden the body of believers that were blessed to pastor gets it. I don't know how to explain it. It just one day clicks. And, and, you, and you go from 50 or 60 people, and you don't do anything different, and you don't run any campaigns, and you don't do any advertising, and then all of a sudden, in just a few short months, you've got four hundred people. And you you didn't do you don't do anything different than you've been doing all along. But 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 we just we just allowed him to be amazing and we're not concerned. What I love about that verse and God added to the church is that was that God added to the church. That God did the adding to the church. Not the campaign, not the growth principle, not the sermon series, not the worship team, but God added to the church through the Therese's and the Kathys and the Lorraine's and them just getting up in the morning and taking a few minutes. You know what's neat about God? I'm trying to close. He is so stinking efficient. I don't know about you, but I wake up grumpy. Don't look at me there. Anybody else? Okay, I I wake up a little bit grumpy. Uh, that's not true. I wake real grumpy. Just don't talk to me for a few minutes. Let me get the cobwebs out. How many know what I'm talking about? Wait till you get to be older. You understand what I'm saying? But 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 God, in a few moments, Teresa, in a few moments, he let me know how much He loves me. It because that's religion. It lets me know. And then I go over and hug my wife. Jesus. She says, What's that for? It's not for anything. You can love your kids, you can love your grumpy neighbor. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.